Boys, girls, it's still to choose. You chasing a bit of country and western wear with a bit more style, a bit more flair, a bit more sass. Countryduds.com.au have got you covered. From flannies to t-shirts to trucker caps, they've got it all. Go and check them out. They've even teamed up with me to bring you the ultimate Sunday outfits. Every month, new Sunday outfit comes out. Get around it. Wrap your body in it today. Countryduds.com.au Boys, men, fellas, blokes, are you chasing some accessories, some fashion accessories? That's right, lads. Go and check out aemanstore.com. These guys have got you covered. From wedding bands, to general male rings, to flick lighters, to necklaces. Honestly, these guys are going to bring you more class than a teacher. Fellas, spruce yourself up. Make the missus go, whoa, baby, come at me. aemanstore.com. Ball bags and front bumps. You want a new boat, but you can't afford it. Why not make the old boat look brand spanking new? Jump on boatratmafia.com.au. These guys got you covered. They have got ready-to-go wraps. Punch in your measurements of your boat. Pick a design. Bing, bada, boom, they'll send it out to you. Want something custom? Send them an email. Boatratmafia.com.au. Ladies, gentlemen, and the underside, welcome to the Blind Man Dan podcast. The podcast of all podcasts. The podcast is going to bring you stories from all walks of life. That's right, guys. Get your ears ready. This is going to be a cracking show. We're going to listen to the everyday heroes. From the tradies to the first responders to the fucking strippers. We've got it all covered. The Blind Man Dan podcast coming at you weekly. Yo! Yeah, that's what all those good old boys going to go out working on. All right, nutsacks, front cracks, ball bags and front bumps. Welcome to the first long episode of the Blind Man Dan podcast. Now, yes, I did put up a bit of a short one there the other day. That was just a trial run to see if I knew actually how to upload podcasts. Turns out I do, because I'm getting pretty fucking nifty in my old age. So every Wednesday, I'm going to do the Hump Day Hero. It's going to be a short one, just a bit of a tale, a bit of a yarn, a bit of humor for your day to get you through to the rest of the week. But then come Friday, you're going to have the big long bastard. Now, I don't know two-thirds of fuck all about doing a podcast. I'm going to wing the shit out of it. There's lots of background noise, um, Dan's on a budget, and Dan bought a fucking wrong microphone, so it's either like it, love it, or get used to it, or hang up my left one, it's not going to be forever, alright, I will um, eventually get the right gear, but for now you're going to be stuck with this humdinger. So I'm not sure how to go about this guys, I'm going to do it in stages, alright, so the first few episodes is going to be me talking, um, I'll tell you my life story, what I've been through, uh, the ups, the downs, uh, the bombshells, the fucking, yeah. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll tell you all about me, and then we'll go on to interviewing all walks of life, all the blue-collar workers, from the uh, tradies to emergency first responders, to cattle cockies, to fucking fishermen, to strippers. Mate, I'm going to try and cover it all. It's going to be a fucking cracking show, I'll tell you. Now look, I'm currently set up in a makeshift studio under my old girl's house. Um, not the flashiest thing, I will admit. Sound quality's up the shit because I'm surrounded by more fucking background noise in a Bon Jovi concert. But anyway, we will get through for the first couple because, you know, it's going to take off straight away, isn't it? And I'm going to be able to afford a houseboat. And I'll uh, be doing these interviews from the top deck of the houseboat. I fucking know. That idea should be green because it's fucking mint. So we'll dive in. We'll start with me. I'll just probably start at my earliest memories and work my way up to the present. So I was born in Townsville in 1988 and then went to Cairns, I believe. I believe the old girl moved us to Cairns. Now, my biological father, well, 
he was just shy of a fuckwit. Actually, he was a proper fuckwit. He, um, bit of a criminal, drug addict, alcoholic, and an absolute fucking asshole to my mother. Uh, so mother tried to get away from him for many years, and about when I was two years old, she managed to get away from him. And then she went on to meet the man that I just called dad for the rest of my life. And I thought this man was just a dead set legend. I just honestly never known as as he meant anything else. I was always just dad to me. So um, yeah, so I grew up with this man that was just my idol, my idol right up until I was twenty one. Very hard working family. We um, started off in a little cane farming town just north of Townsville, um, and I, I love that lifestyle. I love being on the land. Uh, the fishing, the the machinery, it's just, you know, I love driving stuff. So I uh, was there in uh, north of Townsville until probably uh, four or five years old, then we moved to Townsville. Uh, my parents bought a 50-acre property in Townsville, and it was just a flat bit of dirt. It was it was nothing, just proper bushland. Needed a lot of work to make it into a home, but we, um, over the course of 20, 20-something years, we turned that place into a fucking paradise. It was an absolute glamour block. So my parents started out with a um, bit of a earth moving company when I was when I was younger. The old man bought an old bobcat and truck and started with that. And um, I was just hooked. I was just hooked on machinery. Loved loved driving the bobcats and the trucks and whatnot. So by the age of five, I was you know, I was swinging bobcats around. Uh, a very hard working family in the way of on the property. We had small crops. So we had pumpkins, watermelons, corn. Uh, had a tree nursery. They maintained a set of units in, in town. Uh, we had contracts with Telstra. We would maintain all the aerials you see on the top of the mountains. I can tell you now, there's an adventure and a half getting up to those aerials. Uh, so worked pretty much my whole life. It's definitely not like well, my kids today. You know, they just they got the creature comforts. They got the bloody Xbox and the air conditioning and. They just don't seem to have the concept of work like I did, but I've got to try and sort that out. That's on me. Um, really appreciated things growing up too. It's not like my children today. Like to go out for dinner, I remember it was a massive thing. It was a big thing to go out for dinner. Uh, we went out for dinner probably twice a year, and like we fucking appreciated. Like you know, come on kids, we're gonna take you to the pub for for dinner. And like holy fuck, it was like break out the red carpet. We're fucking coming in. Call the press. Let them know it is on. Like fucking Donkey Kong, we are going out for dinner. And that was a big moment, but Jesus Christ, my kids go for dinner fucking three times a week and think nothing of it. So the old boy and I, we clashed a fair bit um, up until I was about 16, but then after 16 we became best mates. But always worked together. Um, he put me in some fucking situations where, yeah, it was it was wild. So, like, there was a time with one of those Telstra sites. When we first started out, all he had was an old busted-ass HZ Holden Ute. And we had a trailer behind it with a rider mower in it. And we had to go and mow this Telstra site. And it's at the top of this massive big mountain. Anyway, I get to the base of the mountain and it was very you know, soon apparent that the fucking old HZ ain't going to climb this thing. So he said, all right, Dan, you're going to have to drive the rider mower up. And I'm going to take up, take the ute up empty. No worries. So mum goes in front of me. I'm on the old John Deere ride on. And we're going up this hill. Now, this hill is fucking two-thirds of fucked. It's pretty much a four-wheel drive mountain. So the old girl's going in front of me and she's kicking big rocks out of the way so I can get this mower up the hill. And all of a sudden, about halfway up, there's a there's a big cliff to my left. It's just straight down. If you fall off that, you're fucking dead. And to my right was the cutout of the bank. Uh, halfway up, I just lost drive. Lost drive on the ride on. 
couldn't go forward, couldn't do nothing. And then all of a sudden, it decided, well, we're going backwards. And it's, it went into freewheel. Uh, couldn't stop it. Put the brakes on, turn the, turn the engine off, drop the deck. Nothing I could do to stop this ride on. She was just in freewheel and, and we're sending it. Mind you, I was at the rifle age of about eight years old. So down the hill I go backwards and mum just screaming, Mother Amy! So she's run after me, she's jumped on that ride on and uh, turned it into the bank to stop us. Well, the mum was going up over the top of my mother, crushed her knee. It was fucking pretty wild. I'll tell you what, she 100% possibly saved my life that day because if I went off the other side, I'd be freaking dead. Anyway, the old boy eventually came down the hill to see why the fuck were taking so long and seen all the carnage. So off to hospital, mother went. She spent a day in hospital getting her knee fucking rebuilt. And then that afternoon, the old man takes me back to the mountain, puts the mail back in drive, and says, Come on, mate, get back on your right. Yeah, cheers, bud. There's just many of the tales where I'm almost starting to think he was trying to get rid of me. And um, we had a lot of Telstra sites on islands, would you believe? There was one, one site uh, called Cape Upstart, it's between Bowen and Home Hill, had 24 Telstra aerials. And we had to maintain all those aerials, and it was all by boat only. I fucking loved it. It was unreal. Flicking lures in between sites, and I tell you what, it really trip people out when you get to the boat ramp and you got fucking whippersnippers and chainsaws and push moles, and they're like, "What the fuck's going on here?" Does that make the fish that big? Was what we need to fill up the bastards. So it was. Uh, it was a cool upbringing. Once a month, we had to mow the Telstra site on Palm Island, so it had to be done once a month, regardless. So. Weather sort of was an option. When it had to be done, you had to go. Some of the seas that we went in, in this 14-foot tinning, was just fucking ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But I've never been afraid of the ocean. Uh, I love the sea. It's my happiest place. I feel like I can see everything in the world uh, when I'm on the water. So I really love being on the water. There was a time there, once we got older, I got about 16. So when you're 16, you can get your boat license. And... Um, so the old man started sending me to Palm Island, you know, just without him. So I'd pick a mate and say, come on, we're going to Palm Island to mow the grass. And uh, he dropped us off one day at Crystal Creek. So Crystal Creek is halfway between Townsville and Ingham. Now, usually we would launch from Ingham and go across because it's a lot lot closer to the island. So if it's bad weather, it's not that far. But to go from Crystal, it's almost like that half half that length again. So he dropped us off at Crystal and said, all right, you just go across and I'll pick you up at Ingham. I said, yeah, righto. Give me a call if it's too rough, but I'll come back and get you. I said, yeah, too easy. So at the mouth of Crystal Creek we go, and fuck me, swinging. We got like three metres swell. It was ridiculous. When the 14-foot tinny with the 40-horse Yamaha, and we made it at the front, he is not happy. He's like, fucking hell. He's a black man, but he looked white that day. So we're climbing these waves. We're going up, one wave down, up, down. and like You couldn't see between the waves. It was fucking hectic. So I ring the old boy. I was like, it's rough as shit, better come back and get us. No, no, you'd be right. No, keep going. I'm dead set. I'm sure he was trying to get rid of me throughout my life. So we punched on. We made it to Palm Island, mowed the grass. Then we hit back to uh, Taylor's Beach, just outside Ingham, and he picked us up there, and we lived to tell the tale. But by the time we got back, we were running on a vapour. We made it to the ramp, and we wouldn't have had a mill left in the uh, in the tank. She was bone dry. So it was uh, it was a bit hairy. But there's plenty of those, plenty of hairy stories when it comes to growing up with my parents and the the work they did. It was just non-stop. We had to do an access road on this mountain outside of Bowen one day. And we're heading back from Mackay and we had to call in and just check out this job. But it was midnight. It was fucking midnight, drizzling rain. 
And the old boy's like, oh, we've got to check out this access road. I'm like, fuck, tonight? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we've got to do it. Yeah, right on. Anyway, we're not far off this fucking job. And there's this bloke hitchhiking in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's drizzling rain, it's cold, it's fucked. So the old man pulls over and picks up this hitchhiker. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. He goes, oh, I can't leave him out there, you know. Like, poor bastard, I used to hitchhike when I was a young fella. I've got to pick him up. So I pick up this fucking hitchhiker and he sits in the seat behind me. We're in this dual cab radio. And he sits in this fucking seat behind me, and I am just got horror fucking visions that a knife's going to come through the seat, you know, straight through my guts. He's going to kill all of us. We're fucked. Anyway, we're cruising along, and uh, he's an Irish fellow. He sounds nice enough. And we uh, we get to this site, and the old man goes, oh, we've just got to pull in here and check out this Telstra site. Now, this is just a cattle station in the middle of nowhere. Just a little tiny goat track. You'd miss it if you blinked. A little tiny goat track off the side of the highway. You go in, unlock the gate, and up the mountain you go. Now, when you get to these gates that access these Telstra sites, there's no such thing as a chain that holds the gate closed. It is a chain of locks. So every Tom, Dick, and Harry, all the hunters, you know, the pig hunters and blokes that want to get into this property, they cut a link off the chain and they just add a lock in. So out I get, midnight, drizzling rain, no man's like, open the gate, gives me the key. So you've got to go through, like, fucking sometimes 20, 30 locks before you find your lock. So I'm sitting there, I'm going through these locks, I'm thinking... That fucking hitchhiker's going to kill Dad. I can feel it. He's going to fucking stab him. We're all fucked. Next minute, this voice comes over my shoulder. You're right, mate. And I fucking shit. I go, oh, it's come true. He's killed Dad. Now he's here to kill me. He's like, oh, yeah, the old man asked me to give you a hand. So that's right, mate. It's a one-man operation. We've only got one key to fucking try these things. But I was shitting myself. So we took him up this mountain, and it was fucked. It was not long after a cyclone. Washed out, rooted. Uh, it was yeah, it was pretty well for driving to get up to the top, and this bloke's in the back, and he it was pretty chatty before we got to this hill, to be honest. And once we we're on this track, he was not chatty at all. He was fucking very quiet. And um, the old man goes, "Don't stress, mate. We uh, we take all their victims here." He didn't laugh or nothing. He got out of the next town, would you believe? Pussy. But that was um, that was an experience. I actually thought I was going to die that night, but I made it through. But kids, if you're listening, don't pick up hitchhikers. You know, you might fucking die. Looking back on life now, I actually feel lucky that I um I didn't hurt myself or end up fucking dead in those young years. You know, by the age of eight years old, I was on a Massey Ferguson tractor, um, disking paddocks, plowing, you know, plowing paddocks, slashing. Um, I was on bobcats, excavators, like just lived to drive machinery, cars, motorbikes, and just done some dumb shit. And, you know, lived to tell the tale. I look at my eight-year-old son now and i would fucking freak if he did the shit i did but i i loved it i lived for that sort of thing so pretty much if we weren't working we were fishing love fishing and worked out pretty good sometimes we could work and fish at the same time that's where palm island and cape upstart came in pretty good you know we could uh, flick lures while mowing the grass it was fucking mint my old man uh growing up he had no blood brothers but he had an awesome group of mates and uh, he referred to all these blokes as his brothers, and I just naturally referred to them as my uncles. I just thought they were kings. I absolutely adored these men and the way they were and the way they treated me. Like it's, it was an awesome upbringing having his friends like that, where you you just think of them as family. I'm a very firm believer in. I don't believe that family is blood. I believe family is what you make it. Um, you know, I've got friends that I class higher as family than I do some blood family.
So we uh, we spent a lot of time around, you know, like the uh, Hinchbrook Channel, Palm Island Group, all the reefs surrounding there, the Herbert River. That was my happy place. Being up being up um, in Ingham and in the Hinchbrook Channel was definitely my happy place, and I would love to end up there uh, on the houseboat. That's where I want the houseboat up there. Um, growing up, you know, once we got into high school and you start making your mates, my mates just could not believe the shit I did, you know, like of an afternoon I'd go home and I'd be on the tractor or the bobcat and they'd go home and watch TV, you know. So they were very interested in my lifestyle and, you know, they got roped into it. So they did a lot of fishing with me up in the Hinchbrook Channel and the Herbert River. We'd go and do stretches of the Herbert River in the fresh water, flicking full, um, you know, barras and, and black broom. And it was just, it was just the fucking glory years. I just, just loved my life. I just loved it. I loved how much we worked, how much I appreciated what we had. And what we worked for, it was just unbelievable. So it was around that 16 years of age where my eyes really just start making signs that they weren't right. Um, you know, the boys and I are venturing out at night. We're, we're hunting on our own now and whatnot. And we would um, be going through the scrub and that would step around a fucking post wrapped in barbed wire and I'd just run straight into the bastard. Um, and it was like, fucking hell, Dan, there's something wrong with you. Oh, this is dark. No one can see in the dark, but they could. So... Over the years, like, my mother was watching watching me do this sort of stuff, and she goes, no, nah, something's wrong. So off to the specialist we went, and they diagnosed me with retinitis pigmentosa. Now, retinitis pigmentosa is more known as RP for short. It starts off with bad night vision, and then over time, it will take away your peripheral vision. So it brings you, brings you into tunnel vision and eventually closes up, and you, you go 100% blind. Um... At those younger years, I just put my head in the sand about it. Didn't want to know about it. Yes, it rolled me. I was like, "Fuck," you know, sixteen years old, and they told me I'm going to go blind. It was it was a lot to fucking process. But um, I dealt with it by putting my head in the sand, and I wish I didn't. I really do wish I went on to lead a healthier lifestyle. Maybe change my diet, not drink so much. Fucking be a bit more, you know, body body care. But I just wasn't i just continued on being a fucking stupid young fella drinking piss going forward driving just living living my best life so i still managed to get a um a driver's license at 17 i was never allowed to have a night license because of the, the bad night vision it was on the a thing on my license saying daytime only which was a pain in the ass it was a fucking pain in the ass because you know what do you do when you're that age you go driving at night so i always had land cruiser utes um so I had spotlights for days. Fuck, I had those things lit up like a Christmas tree. And uh, every now and then I'd sneak in a bit of a night drive and, you know, I'd be, be at a party or something I didn't want to be at and I'd just jump my cruiser and fucking drive home. Now, we were half an hour north of Townsville. Um, so it was a bit of a drive. But I used to love getting on the highway in like the middle of the night. No one's on it. Hit me fucking high beams and just glow that bastard up like daytime. And I used to get home and... Mum would go, how'd you get home? I saw the boys drop me off at the front gate, and I drove in from the front gate. And she saw straight through that bullshit. But, you know, look back, looking back now, now that I have my own family and got my own kids and whatnot, it's more, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have ran out of risk. But you, you grow up, you live and learn. So I graduated high school, 2005, um, and then went on to get an apprenticeship as a marine mechanic. Just loving being on the water around boats. It just seemed like the logical thing. I was never a smart kid at school. I took the basic classes. Uni definitely was not going to happen. I pretty much went to school for the social life and 
much to my mother's disgust, paying for private school for 12 years. But, you know, that's on her. I can't be blamed for that. Scored this apprenticeship. Um, I loved how I got this job. I went in and I talked to this man who went on to be my boss and then my father-in-law. Yeah, I started dating the boss's daughter not long after I started there. Tell you what, that was a nerve-wracking conversation with the boss. I went in and I said to him, you know, I want an apprenticeship, what not, and having a bit of chinwag. And he goes, so what's your plan for next year? I said, I'll be working here. And he, he looks at me and he goes, all right, you got the job. So confidence is key. Maybe a bit of cockiness too, but I ended up getting the job and I, I um, yeah, I did my apprenticeship as a marine mechanic. So throughout the time of doing my trade, the uh, my parents were still growing their company bigger. You know, taking on more contracts with Telstra and whatnot. So there was a lot of work to do. They started a tree nursery. Um, still had the 50-acre property with the small crops. There was just so much going on. The units in town that we had to maintain. Like, it was just nuts, the amount of work they had to do. And we, you know, we tried to do as much fishing as we could in between all that as well. Um, you know, I mean, I always had this dream. We wanted the houseboat. We wanted the houseboat fucking right or wrong. We just thought that would be living, Barry. So he managed to find one. The old man found one, talked mum into letting him buy it, and uh, it was a fixer-upper. So I spent about six months. We uh, you know, fully gutted it. I rewired the whole thing, and uh, we pimped it out. And I remember it being one of the most highlights of our lives, or my life, when we launched that houseboat for the first time, and and we were away. And I remember looking at the old man, and we just looked at each other with absolute happiness. Like, we thought we had it all. We had it all. We're finally on a fucking houseboat in the Hedgebrook Channel. This is living, Barry. You know, behind us, we were towing the ski boat, and your mates were bringing their jet skis and tinnies, and we had... It was just awesome. It was a fucking picture and a half, I tell you. Had some amazing times on that boat, and this is where it means a lot to me to get another one, because I honestly felt like nothing in the world could touch me when I'm on the water. Sitting on top deck of that houseboat and just out overlooking the channel or, you know, having having a fish or just listening to music. It was just unfucking real. Just on dark we'd you know, me mates would go skiing, you know, skiing up the estuaries. Not not ideal. You shouldn't go skiing with crocodiles, but it's fucking glass water, so we did a lot. You know, it'd be just on dark and you're skiing around the houseboat, you can smell the roast coming off the top deck and you just think you got it made. It's like a fucking fairy tale. So that's definitely where I want to be. I need to get that houseboat back in my life again. The houseboat days with Dad and I were very short-lived. Um, things sort of took a turn for the worst in the family, and it, it wasn't great. So I was about 19, and Dad and I had formed a really good friendship. You know, I didn't just look at him as a dad. I thought he was you know, my best mate. Uh, so he confided in me a lot about life and whatnot, and um, he, he started talking to me about that he's not happy with Mum, and he wanted to leave her. And I talked him out of it for a couple of years. I said, mate, look what you got. Look what you've made together. You know, you wouldn't have any of this without mum. You're a good team. You know, look what you've done. And um, I talked him out of it and he'd come good. And then a few months would go by and he, he'd hit me with it again. We are up on the houseboat there one night. hit me with it again. He goes, just not happy for your mother, Dan. You know, I want to leave. And I'm like, fucking hell. So I talked him out of it again. And this went on for about two years. So, fast forward, about 21, sitting in the shed, Dad and I having a few beers, and he hits me with it again. He says, Dan, I'm, I'm just not happy. I want to leave your mother. And I had enough. I was jack of it now. Like, I, I counseled him for so fucking long, I couldn't understand what was wrong with him. I said, Dad, if you want to go, you go. You end it. But you end it today. I said, I don't want you working your whole fucking life to be miserable. All right? You don't deserve that. I want you to be happy. 
I said, but you need to look me in the eye and you need to tell me that there's no other women. You're not chasing someone else. And he did. He looked me fair in the face and he said, Daniel, there's no one else. I'm just not happy. I said, all right. I said, I'll back you. But if I find out you've done wrong, I'll drop you. I said, do not fuck my mother over. He goes, I won't. I promise I won't. You can have everything. I just, I'm just, i just not happy. I said, well, no, I'm not going to let you just walk with nothing. You know, do it properly, but just do it right. Do not do wrong by my mother. He goes, no, no, I never would, never would. So he uh, he went inside and he, he ended it. He ended it with my mother, and um, she was absolutely devastated. She did not see that coming at all. Um, and it got it got really shit, and it got really shit in a big, big way. Um, life fell apart in ways we just did not think possible. Um, it gets it gets pretty heavy, guys. So I'm gonna I might just leave it there and get my head on this one, and we'll um, well, we'll do another episode and fill you in with how, what went down and how life just was never the same never the same again so stay tuned for next week and uh we'll get heavy again um but stay tuned for the hump day hero so get some humor i don't want to be all about just down and out it's not going to be like that but i'll get my story out and we'll uh we'll keep pushing forward so hope you have a cracking weekend you bag of legends and i'll talk to you next week That's what I was good old boys. Gonna go